Live from the next cast, Phanthropological Institute, we're going to tap into the passion of the planeswalkers and suck their mana fr- Who wrote this? Anyway, we're talking about Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fan's eye view to you. Happy Friday. As you're heading into your weekend, we are going to tell you tales about fans of the card game Magic the Gathering. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Uh, I'm Green Mana. And Nick Z. I'll be Blue Mana. Wow, guys. We got, I, I tried. We got I didn't want to just say hello this time. <laughs> I'm a planeswalker on the on the up and up. I don't have time to say hello to anybody. I just have time to tap into some land and draw out some mana. You know? He's telling me That's i got to be moving right? on to our special guest friend for this episode, uh, Magic Gathering enthusiast Kevin. Welcome. Hello. I'm Grixis. Not that you guys would know what that is. But fans of Magic it? Gathering would know. It's a three-color combination of blue, red, and black. Is that common? That seems like a hard cool. deck to play. Uh, there's some decks in modern that play it, but those colors aren't too common. Okay. Uh, cool. So just to give a little bit of background, as we do in every episode, uh, what is Magic the Gathering? Magic the Gathering, often abbreviated MTG or just Magic, is a trading card game published by Wizards of the Coast. First published way back in 1993, the game has as many as 20 million players. That's as of 2015. It's played in a variety of formats, which I'm sure Kevin knows way more about than I was managed to unearth in my research. Uh, The game is a battle between wizards, known as planeswalkers, employing spells, artifacts, and creatures depicted on the cards to defeat their opponents. And other planeswalkers, as the newer versions of Magic have been introduced. Oh, as in, like, not the other player, but, like, Yes, there's, there's like, a planeswalker cards now. Interesting. um, Where they... They don't. You don't kill them. They lose loyalty to you. What? Yeah. That's, they just keep adding mechanics onto the game. Well, the Planeswalkers is actually like a ten-year-old mechanic now, I think. But oh, I meant the the loyalty part. That's yeah. That's how the whole Planeswalker mechanic works for the cards. Oh. But yeah. See, this is why mm-hmm. we try to do research before the show, and I just keep learning things as we go. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. One interesting thing that I found. Uh, that probably Kevin knows way more about. I'm, I feel like I'm going to say that all episode, so I'm just going to stop <laughs> saying that part. Um, I found out that earlier this year, there was a, a fan who decided to run a tournament for Magic, and they decided that you would only be able to use cards from 1996, which is the year that the Legacy card format was begun. Oh, interesting. Uh, I did not hear about this. Oh, uh, what was interesting about it to me was was kind of that part. I mean, people play Legacy all the time. Um, but apparently that was also a time when the card base was getting big and it was getting hard to develop a competitive deck. And also the way that the, the tournament ran, the person actually encouraged people to create proxies, which I guess are like printed cards. They're obviously not tournament legal. Yeah. For most tournaments, a proxy is not legal. There's certain ways you can get it legal. So if you have like a black Lotus and you show it to the judge and the judge approves you using a proxy or whatnot, you can use a proxy in place of your black Lotus because it's an extremely expensive card. But that also not like it's illegal. But um, in general, you have to own the cards to be able to play in tournaments. Right. 
Cool. That was an interesting thing, though. It's just like, let's just all play old magic like it used to be. Or the creatures were bad and the spells were broken. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read the same article, actually, and and part of the impetus was said that the game is so now heavily based around game store culture, Hmm. but wanted to try and, you know, have it in a bit of a different context. Yeah, I get that. Um, When I was playing a lot more, like, I kind of get into these cycles where I play a lot versus just, like, keep track of the cards coming out and it's mostly to do with the community and the game store um so if you have a good game store community that you go to you're more inclined to play like every week multiple days a week depending on what formats you like um since i moved i haven't really found a game store that is convenient for me to get to so that's why i've been playing less See, I was about to ask that because I, I know that after your move i was like oh well you know big into magic there's got to be a lot of places in san francisco that has, you know, something. Yeah, there's a few game stores, that. but I haven't, like, they're not really near my area, and I just haven't gone to them. Because, like, also I had other friends in Waterloo that played Magic, and that's kind of a feedback loop where if one of you plays, two, it's you could go sometimes, but if a few of you play, then you'll go a lot more often. Hmm. Yeah, that, the, the more you play, yeah, the more you want to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, you were talking about, like, 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 for example, stuff being pretty broken, and Magic nowadays has like a pretty frequent release schedule. I don't know if it was always that frequent, but is it is is like balance the ultimate goal with every iteration? Yeah, they try and make things more balanced and or more fun. They is what they would say. Like, right? They don't like people comboing off too quickly. They want to have like quote unquote good interactive magic, where a lot of the older decks were built around not letting the other person playing magic and eventually you kill them. The balance between creatures and spells has certainly shifted in the last number of years. Uh, Before, you would have a creature that was a 2-2, cost 3 mana, didn't do much. Now you have 2 mana creatures that draw you cards, and 2 mana creatures that are like 4-5s. Much further have like interplay abilities and whatnot. So kind of like a little spell that's attached to a creature. And basically what Wizards is promoting is... Creature combat is more fun than just, you know, I lightning bolt you seven times and you're dead. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah. It makes the game more interesting for sure. You don't want people to just get blitzed. <laughs> well, like, people can still get blitzed, but like they'd rather be blitzed with creatures where there's possibility to block and kill creatures and whatnot than... Right. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, that I was reading this article from the AV Club uh, with a really kind of a clickbaity title. Why Magic the Gathering struggles to stay relevant to casual players. Mm. Um, but you're, what you were talking about with, you know, creature combat is more fun. I was just, there was this one excerpt from it which I thought was funny and kind of like a real hyperbole of probably how the game is, could be played and, and how you're talking about um, you know, trying not to get people to combo too much. Yeah. And it's like, me, I draw a card and play a forest. Your turn. Them. Draw a card, play a mountain, play a black lotus, sacrifice it, play, channel for 19 mana, play a fireball for 20 damage, you're dead. Me. Draw a card, play a forest, and them. No, no. It's over. (laughs) Me. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so they want to reduce that. Um, And in the standard format, uh, it's, it's been tending towards that, though they make mistakes sometimes. They have to ban cards. I mean, there are there are probably thousands of cards, right? Yes, um, and there's several rotations. So there's a set released every roughly three months. Nowadays, it goes large set, small set, large set, small set. 
and there's two years worth of blocks in standard. Um, so a large set is about 235 cards, and a small set's about 150 cards. So uh, let's we'll say that's a card pool of four, like 425 cards per block, then two blocks per year times two years. That's how many cards are in standard. Now, some of those are reprints, so like they'll reprint like negate in, like every second block because they just never want that to rotate out. Um, it's mm. just kind of a solid stable card. Um, and then if you go back to modern, it's think of them doing all that, but then it's all the way back to eighth edition, and then legacies all the way back. Do like they have similar cadence to releases. Uh, they they've modified things over the years. Sometimes they had like two large sets use blocks used to be three sets instead of two. Um, sometimes they'd have sets with two large blocks instead of one. So there's but like roughly the same amount of cards every year released, and that goes all the way back to like. 1995 or 1994 or whenever it was really magic was first released wow so there's as you get into older formats there's a lot of cards however yeah. you don't actually <laughs> need to know all those cards because a lot of them are garbage <laughs> well i was i was gonna say it should go without saying that given that many cards that you know a couple of them are gonna get banned yeah well there's yeah. there's a, there's the balance is actually pretty small um, I don't know if I could recite the modern ban list off the top of my head, but if someone asked if a card was banned, I would probably know. Are you familiar at all with the, uh, the reserve list? I am familiar with the reserve list, and I'm, as someone who played, started playing Magic when I was a kid and couldn't afford the cards when they were printed, and then yeah. started playing again as an adult, it makes things a lot more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Does it have any sort of effect on play, like? Um, only in probably Legacy which is not a huge format in terms of number of players because partly to, well, in my opinion, it's partly to do the reserve list. Um, mm -hmm. In newer formats like Modern or Standard, none of those cards are in the reserve list, so it's not a big problem. Right. It's mostly just something for the uh, sort of more investment-minded players or collectors to, to yeah. make use of then, I guess. Well, yeah, in Legacy, a lot of the cards on the reserve list are played because they're like the dual lands and whatnot. So, mm. and... Really, if the card's not good and not playable, then it's not worth much. Like, there's cards on the reserve list that are just absolutely crappy, and they're not actually worth anything. <laughs> so they're basically just on it to make sure that they're never printed again, and at least in those cases? Um, yeah, a set came out that was basically a reprint set, okay. and people at the time, in like 1995, were mad that the value of the cards went down. So was it yeah. like, okay, we'll put these certain cards on the reserved list? And they will never be printed. After a while, Wizards realized that that was a bad idea for the growth of the game, and stopped putting cards on the reserve list. But mm. since they already made the promise, they're trying not to go back on it. Yeah. So one thing that's interested me is that there seems to be, like, all the emphasis is on is on like like what's currently going. Like, you said there's standard and there's modern, right? What are the differences yep. between those? Um, standard is, like I said, the last two years worth of sets. Mm -hmm. uh, and modern is any set after um, eighth edition. Okay. So it's modern's in a, what we call an eternal format, whereas standard is a rotating format. Yeah, and this thing updates more than my recently purchased Windows Ten computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like yeah, standard is pretty hard to keep up with. Has it always had that momentum to it? Yeah, it's been pretty much. It's been pretty. It's been two-year blocks for as long as I can remember, and that was back in, like, Mercadian Masks era. Mm -hmm. 
for standard. Oh, there's this like they had a, they had a different format before modern called like extended, where it was like the last four blocks and then the last six blocks, and it was like they played around with the length of it, the extended format for a long time before they were like, no screw it, we're just gonna make this modern thing, because before the only eternal format was legacy. Well, and mm. if you count vintage, but nobody has can afford the cards in vintage because <laughs> those are the ones where like black lotus is actually legal well it's restricted but okay um so is that like kind of nobody can get too far ahead kind of thing everyone's kind of it's to keep the format fresh so like yeah. if you if you've played modern for a while um you'll notice the same decks popping up now like it changes when new cards are released but like as there's more cards in the card pool the new cards have to be like really good to like break out be- that are better than the old cards. You have to enable some sort of new combination. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or banning ha- happens. Bannings are the biggest thing that's been shaking up modern recently, and that's been kind of annoying for me because they keep banning decks I play. <laughs> How frequent are the bannings? Um, well, they can be as often as every block release. Wow. Or every set release, but. More, more in practice, they basically ban or unban cards in modern, like once a year. It's been less now that modern's not a pro tour format. But mm-hmm. back when modern was a pro tour format, before the modern pro tour, wizards would like to ban or unban cards to try and shake up the format for the pro tour. Interesting. I'm kind of hearing a little bit of this as we as we kind of talk. Uh, we try to get to like, what is it about the the thing we're talking about in this case? What is it about magic? Like, why are people fans of magic and one thing that i'm i'm hearing a lot of right now um from you kevin and even as we're talking about it is like this this inherent variety and and mixing things up constantly uh i can't remember which article i read but it was talking about how every block they either try to um, introduce a new mechanic or kind of bring back a previous mechanic that had kind of fallen out of favor or kind of just gone stale uh yeah that's what they try to do there's always at least one new mechanic in a in a block um sometimes more than one and if they like old mechanics or want to revisit old mechanics they'll add those as well which makes things neat in the the current block they have this energy mechanic which was kind of cool which is just like a different resource pool than mana or like life or whatnot and by the way life is like a resource if you're trying to play optimally because hmm. it doesn't matter if you win at 20 life or one life you still win <laughs> true <laughs> a question for you kevin so you mentioned a little bit that you you know you started playing as a kid how did you get into magic like did you just show up at school one day and it's like here's some magic cards boom gonna be a pro magic player done um it was kind of, yeah it was at elementary school so <laughs> everyone was like sh- like showing their magic cards and eventually i don't know when i it was like I, well, I know what set it was. I can't even remember what year it came out, but it was a Sega. I got my first deck, and my like neighbor, my brother got a deck, and my neighborhood kids got a deck, so we started playing. And then we wanted to like build more decks and whatnot. And then I stopped playing for a few years because I was doing other things because I'm a kid, and I, my attention span's not that long. <laughs> and then I started playing again in junior high school. I played a little bit more seriously and went to like like some turn minor like local tournament type things. And then I went, went to high school, was busy with school and not having any money to buy magic cards. Um, and then picked up again at uh, end of university. So, and then played a bunch of standard in university. And since I moved away from u- my university town, I've just been, I've been still like tuning up my modern decks, but I haven't been k- keeping up with standard because it's just too much. There's a lot of keeping up that goes on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So you're, you're holding off on your rise to power. Sure. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. And playing lots of Overwatch, but... Ah, <laughs> uh, gotta get into that. <laughs> People seem to like it. Not Hearthstone? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh boy. I have here in front of me, exact according to Wikipedia, so grain of salt, the exact number of unique cards that have been produced for Magic the Gathering as of September 2016. Would anyone like to take a guess? Uh, oof. I mean, we could probably math that. Don't. Take a guess <laughs> instead. <laughs> 23,413. Okay. I'll, I will guess 23,414. It's uh, not Price is Right rules. <laughs> I hate Price is Right rules. <laughs> it's closest, not closest without going over. Uh, I want to say like 15K. Okay. You're by far the closest. 16,203. Oh. Wow. 600 to 1,000 new ones added each year. We're in the right ballpark. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Wasn't like a million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it was not. Way more cards than uh, the Pokemon trading card game has ever had. How many different versions of each Pokemon are there? One, well, there's only one. It has its number and everything, and it's put in this Pokedex. Yeah, so there can only be like, <laughs> what is it, 760 or something yeah, yeah. right now? Yeah. 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 So, whatever Pokemon cards. <laughs> whatever that guy who had Charizard in grade four. <laughs> Not so cool now, are you? Nope. Just a little bit wealthier. <laughs> when I was trying to figure out the why of Magic the Gathering, I came up with a variety of answers that were beyond just gameplay. And some of them, I think, given the nature of the game, were actually quite unexpected. Okay. I, th- I found... Like based on some research, that one of maybe one of the reasons that people play Magic is actually because of the diversity, and this is obviously a very modern um, thing. So there was this article I was reading called "How Magic: The Gathering Became a Pop Culture Hit and Where It Goes Next" on the Guardian, and it was talking about how, especially in recent years, like for example, since about 2013, um, Magic has featured its first same-sex couple. Um, a more recent set includes the game's first transgender character. Um, and this is especially interesting in a game that has largely been, uh, you know, middle-class white men. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some other examples of a Greek mythology set that had more black characters. Um, a year spent on a set that inspired, had uh, Asian-inspired cultures. Um, women everywhere, and not just, like, scantily clad... <laughs> It's just it was just interesting that this came up because I I would have expected that the entirety of my research would have been all right here's how you build like these good decks here's the metagame and you know that that came up so I was, I was surprised now yeah. this might have been a thing for me to look up beforehand but hey <laughs> that is how this podcast is done well yeah if there's like like a like a large set of artists that uh, that work on it if they have like like a couple in-house artists that keep to a particular magic style their art direction has improved over the years you notice in a lot of old sets um the art is kind of random and that's because they didn't exactly know what they wanted they're just like hey we'll commission artists to do whatever now there's a little more direction and especially if you're the artist is like doing a particular character they have to be consistent with the other character times the character has been portrayed in the game mm-hmm. yeah they they definitely like reuse artists i'm not sure i'm sh- i think it's still on a contract basis 
but mm. like you'll see the lo- a lot of the same artists come up all, all the time okay well, i can imagine that like when the game started they're like oh we're gonna try this trading card game you know no one's ever had um a game that you kind of add on to the game as you go where it's not released as a complete set but now they have like an entire character world bible it's like all right team here's the world that you're working with yep these these are your constraints um, also there's themes within the colors um so they don't want like a blue spell even though the name on and like art description might be like ambiguous they want it a certain like portrayed a certain way compared to a red spell mm-hmm. interesting so there's like there's there's definitely cards in the old set. I don't have any examples off the top of my head where it's like oh that's okay. This this feels like it's a like if you look at the art, it feels like it the art should be a, like a spell of a different color because that's what you used from the newer ones. But it's like this other, other random color, and you're like oh that's weird. So all the colors kind of over time have like developed their own sort of characteristics and yeah and looks to them. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because now you got you got a bunch of books, you got comics. You got, you got like a universe um, cushioning the card game if there's, you know, if the mythology part of it is what is what gets you going. Because like, I was in it for a very brief time. I think I played a couple games with some friends who are more into it than me that I'm like, oh, you need to spend a lot to keep up with people. <laughs> and... Well, it depends what you want to do. You could always do do a draft or something. Yeah. Or use, oh, use your true. friends' decks. That's always good. Mm-hmm. But to the point where it's like, I, like they were already like, like buying individual cards offline and stuff. I'm like, oof, wow. Like it didn't didn't keep up long enough for me to like, like get into it anymore. But like, mm-hmm. every little card has like a little tiny piece of a story on it, except for like the land cards. But like little quotes and stuff, and it feels like like part of a much bigger thing. And that part really appealed to me. Yeah, I actually really like flavor text. Yeah, and and that's what that's called. Um, I think it adds some character to the card, and you're like, oh, I, okay, I kind of know what's you can even like from reading the flavor text, you can kind of get the gist of what's happening in the story. But if you mm-hmm. want the actual story, they have articles with like sto- like pure story articles on the Magic Get- the Gathering site, um, as well as books and whatnot. Do you have any altruist cards, Kevin? Altruist, like yeah. so- like someone who's altered a card for me. Yeah. Uh, no, because I prefer to not write all over my cards. Okay, that's that's fair. I just when I was going through the research, I found that you know there there's this one person in particular. Um, anyway, there's lots of people that do this. They take the art from the cards and they'll alter it in different ways. Some of them draw on top of them and make them like pop culturey. Other people mm-hmm. just take the background art and kind of extend it all across the page, which is particularly mm-hmm. nice for the lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks it looks nice. Um, I just wouldn't do that to my cards because i don't know they're, they're more valuable unaltered most of the time oh yeah that's that's fair i just didn't even know it was a thing this one person has apparently been doing that work full-time for three years as their full-time job i could definitely oh, wow. see that being a thing um people will pay a lot to alter their cards wow and it, it like it's actually nice for like some of the legacy cards actually because you, you spend like 300 dollars on this like crappy looking like <laughs> legacy land because it's old art style and it's probably beat up, and so you get someone, you pay someone fifty bucks to like touch it up with an altar, make it look nice, make it consistent, and then you get it back, and it, your deck looks a lot better. And you 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 buy these legacy cards, you're not probably not going to sell them. You want to play with them, so 
and that's and then and that's unique to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your cards? I keep most of them in cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, the decks I have them double sleeved. All right. Wait. So the single sleeve protects the card. What does the second sleeve do? It protects the card. So there's an edge to a sleeve, where the way you put the okay. card in. So you put a oh, card into a right. good fitting, tight fitting sleeve, and then you put the other other sleeve in in the opposite direction. So then okay, there's less dirt and oil from, you know, touching it. I can get in there. So you mentioned, you know, played it in elementary school, and you're like, cool, magic, great game, can yep. play it. And then you're like, I'm a kid, gonna go play video games or something. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, come back into it later when you're able to do so, um, and you still watch it and play it to some degree yes, like, now. I, pl- I play modern occasionally with some people, but not as often as I was playing it before. Yeah. So what what keeps you in the game? Why are you a fan of Magic? Why not just like give it up, sell all your cards, and just like play Overwatch or TF2 or well, whatever popular people I do? I really like puzzle games, and Magic is kind of like a puzzle game. It's like, oh, how do I build this deck? How do I build this deck to counter other decks that I know are out there? How would I build those other decks? Um, can I make, can I do like figure out an obscure combo that would give me an edge? Like, what should I put in my sideboard? And then even the actual games are all different because of the variants. Mm-hmm. So it's you can play it a lot. And like you can play the same two decks with the same seventy five cards against each other over and over and over again, and not have the same game. So it's, it has very good replay value. It's eternally fresh. And even even if you got the same order of decks, people would like people would play them differently. And it's like, oh, I didn't see like that line of play or whatnot. So it's trying to it's like it's like constantly figuring out a puzzle. And I'm like a big fan of puzzle games. So okay, it's like it's a puzzle that doesn't stop expanding, I guess, or gaining pieces. Right. Every time they release a new set, I I, I look through the entire spoiler and be like, mm, oh, this would be good in modern, or this would be this seems like it'd be powerful if with this other card and whatnot. People ever play games with brand new sets that they've never seen? Um, lots of people at the pre-release don't know like, anything about the set. It depends how like intense you are into the game, right? I mean, like they pick it up from their deck in a game, and that is the first time they've seen it. It's possible. I probably <laughs> wouldn't play a deck if I didn't know it was in it. It's, it's, prob- it's probably it's not tough. strategically the best idea. Yeah. But... <laughs> if you don't, if you don't know what outs you have, then it's hard to play to those outs. And by outs, I mean, say you're losing a game, but you know if you drew a certain card, you'd win. You'd like get back and hopefully win. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that card's in your deck, then you can't play to make it so that if you drew that card, you'd still win. Okay. Would you say that, uh, like you talked a little bit about how the puzzle aspect of Magic the Gathering sort of keeps you with it, um, does that play into uh, your watching it now? Like, is it kind of... Yeah, and I also like yeah. to see, like, um, how pro players play the game out because you can definitely tell like especially if you watch early rounds of a tournament we'll have they'll have like a, you know an, a relatively unknown person with maybe a cool deck idea and a pro player playing out like a standard deck you can see how the pro player navigates it compared to the relatively new player and uh just being able to play the game well is a skill in itself mm-hmm. well as as you know the game the game move con- moves constantly within two years you could be using a completely different set of cards you have to be it's more about your your mental dexterity within the confines of the game rather than it is knowing you can do any particular one thing yeah um yeah because if you're playing a different deck because your your old deck had cards that don't exist in the format anymore 
you're going to have to play it differently. And there's going to be different decks you're playing against than the decks you were playing with like three months ago. So just keeping up with that. It's also good to keep up just to see what cool combos people came up with that you maybe didn't see when you read through the card list. Or when I, I should say. I'm I'm pretty sure not everyone reads through the card list every set whenever a set comes out. Everyone's got their own way, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask a really strange question, I think. I don't know. I'm just going to ask a question. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just talking words. (laughs) Uh, If you had to describe magic for somebody who'd never played magic before, and you couldn't say that it was a puzzle because you already said that. Yeah. How would you describe playing magic? Um. Well, it's interesting when like, like I guess another to describe way to any it. board game. Do you go to the mechanics of the game? Right. Because I could describe the mechanics. Like you could describe the story element. Like you're a planeswalker and you're throwing spells at the other guy and you're trying to kill the other guy before the other guy kills you. And you're summoning monsters to protect you and attack the other guy. Um, you could do more like flavorful like that. It's like <laughs> the description of a game is interesting. I would prop. Me personally, I since I'm that kind of person, I would go towards mechanics. But okay, it depends who you're trying to convince to play. Yeah, if you're trying to convince a six year old, you don't say, "Well, this has some cool game mechanics." You <laughs> this tell card them about looks being cool. a, a planeswalker. Okay, and you're but may- maybe dragons. maybe okay. Putting it that way, so you let's say you played a lot of board games, but for whatever reason, you've never heard of Magic or you've never played Magic before. Yeah. So you're trying to get somebody who's played a lot of board games to get into Magic. How do you do that? Well, I would reference like similar board games, or in this case, it would probably be deck building games, which are the closest. So, you know, you like Dominion or something, you you get to build a deck. Well, in, the, in Magic, it's like that, except you build a deck beforehand, and then you play with it against each other um, in an adversarial way. It's not quite the same, though. Magic has pr- pretty, like, a lot of games base mechanics off stuff Magic has done, but it's it's not like a crazy eights or uh, hearts or bridge type <laughs> game right because those are the use mm-hmm. so it's it's this weird it's this weird like intersection of a lot of different things and richard garfield's a genius i don't know <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that's part of the appeal that it, it is this intersection of so many different elements from other games that maybe just stand alone in those other games yeah i, I think that's definitely part of the appeal got another question here for you sure um, what do you remember from your first Magic the Gathering event? Oh, cool. That's a good question. Uh, you mean like official tournament? Official tournaments, um, like well, pre-release party? Pre-release? I remember... Night magic, you know? I was in junior high school, and I probably lost every game. But it was still fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a good way to cap that off. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I hated it, and I said I'd never play again, and then these bullies <laughs> made me play again. It's yeah. like, no, that didn't happen. No, it, like, like, it's a good learning experience. And, like, if you are a player that, you know, plays casually at home and you want to start going to your Friday Night Magic, you'll probably lose every game when you go. But it's still fun, and you'll learn, and you'll get better. And then maybe you'll win a couple of games. Maybe you'll go, like, two and three, or three and three and two. And then in one <laughs> game, you'll go four and one, and then maybe you'll win Friday Night Magic. Like, it's kind of... You get better, you learn more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like there's there's room to grow and like you can actually see yourself becoming a better player. Yeah. Do you think that kind of growth is because of the people who come out to those events or because of like the community that forms around those events? 
Um, well, hopefully, you're, like like you said, it's low close to the store, so hopefully your store is really yeah. nice and, and like most most of the ones I've been to have been like haven't been bad. Um, but I've heard stories of more toxic stores, where if you're not already a like tournament level player, they don't even want you in there. Oh, jeez! Well, like it's I think that's rarer than a store that's accommodating because like as a person who was like doing tournaments and whatnot i want more new players anyway because there's just more people to play against and it helps the store and helps promote the game and if there's, mm-hmm. if you have lots of people to show up to big tournaments it's more fun also the prize pool is bigger so that's how that helps too <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was one of the interesting things that i found like so the game comes out in 93 it's like all right we're gonna keep building onto this game and you know you really want to have a good time then you're gonna have to trade cards with other people and that means, you know, intrinsically built into the game is this mechanic of, look, you can't just you can't just be like a board game that we might have today. You can't pick it up, play it with your friends, and then just, you know, that's, that's it. Because magic is, like, at its core, there's a community aspect to it. Right? Like, yeah. It's like, we're going to do a draft. Right. You can't and draft you, by yourself. It, it's, it's hard. You can, you can pretend draft and be like, ah, maybe I got a good deck, I don't know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine that you might. Um, yeah, yeah well, it's the, draft it's against the... yourself and be like, "Ooh, yeah. what kind of signals am I sending to myself over here?" <laughs> uh, it's like the dumb Pokemon gamut that they made you trade some of the Pokemon uh, to evolve them. Right. No, yeah, so that's dumb. How... That's just dumb. Uh, infuriating <laughs> loner kids everywhere. I think they still do. They still do that, right? They still they do still that. do that. Luck- yeah. Luckily, I had a brother who would always buy the other version. So. <laughs> <laughs> Trading is a lot easier, though. Yeah. No. Anyway. Um, I was going to say, it seems like, you know, Wizards makes quite a large effort to entice new people into the game. Not the least of which is like, oh, like, what's what are the most important decks? Whatever's coming out right now. It kind of reminds yep. me of DC and Marvel constantly resetting their issue numbers back to one. Yeah. Which is their um, kind of way of being like, it's not so bad. <laughs> Come well, for, yeah, in. like basically for a new player, modern something like a turn of format like modern or legacy is super daunting because like the card pool is so big. So getting jumping into a draft is pretty easy because it's like only well one or two sets. The drafts are usually one or two sets, so it's not a full two years. Um, and you only have three packs, so like the variety of cards you'll see will be not as high in a particular draft than in standard. Um, and then. If you do a bunch of drafts and you've like you're having fun, you're like, well, you get you have all these cards that you got from drafting. And you're like, well, I'm going to build a constructed deck out of this and play standard because you're usually drafting the current set, and the current set's usually legal and standard, so you kind of like gravitate towards standard. And I feel like this is like a a role of a magic player, like the growth of a magic player. After you've played standard a couple of seasons, um, some of your standard cards rotate out, and you're like. I really wish I could still play these, so you then start looking into modern and beyond. But you could still, like, some people still like, even if you're a modern legacy player, you, lots of people enjoy still drafting. So that's, it depends how much you want to put into it. You can put arbitrary amounts of money into it. <laughs> I mean, drafting might be like half the fun for a lot of people. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, Gavin, I got a question for you and think about this for a second. Um, do you think there's a difference between uh, a player of Magic the Gathering and a fan of Magic the Gathering? Um, well, I, I'm kind of both, right? I'm mm-hmm. a fan more right now than a player because I've watched and 
like read about magic a lot more than I've been playing it recently. But yeah, I don't know. I, the, uh, one of the problems with magic is it's a lot less enjoyable to watch if you don't know all the cards and whatnot. You have to know and what's if you've going never on. Never played. Yeah, you have to know what's going on. So I feel like to be a fan, you had to have been a player at least once before. Mm, okay. Unless unless you're like a fourth host and you really like the art or something or the flavor text <laughs> or the story, you could be a fan that way. I guess you could just read the books and the, and the comics yeah. and stuff. So you could be a fan of the world rather than the game. I heard that the uh, various the video games have been pretty effective at getting people into Magic in that regard because you can now just like play and it's exactly like the card game except it's digital. Yeah, yeah. so I think that's the same thing as like going in through drafting. It's a set card pool with the video game. Um, and there's usually like you start out with a simple deck and they keep unlock cards and whatnot. I haven't really played any of the entry level video games because I'd rather play just play Magic, but um, I can imagine it being an the same way of just oh man I, I know all these cards now and now i understand magic i want to play it with other people instead of against the computer yeah you grad you graduate from playing against a bot you know at some yeah. point and with like preset decks and whatnot yeah i wonder if somebody's built a you know how we have like AlphaGo and all these other programs you know tackling it's like all right chess <laughs> solved uh checkers <laughs> done go pretty much solved do you think there's a magic bot that's just like you know what you cannot beat this bot um well you'd have to know all the cards you have to know the po- like the- magic is an imperfect information game so that's more difficult for computers that's true because the computer would have to know based on like the cards that your opponent has played what cards are more likely to be in their deck yeah I mean that might be that might be doable. It's not doable to, to win, but in but, like a modern format. Yeah. Or sorry. Well, no, modern's probably better because the decks are more set. Right. It's like quicker. We need a deep blue of Magic: The Gathering, or a Watson, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Like some players will look at the fetch land you play in Legacy and put you on a deck based on the fetch land or like a set of decks. It's like, oh, you played a Scalding Tyrant. Well, that means you brought probably like Storm or Miracles or something, and you're like, okay. And then based on, like, what land you fetch with that, it's like, oh, you fetched the, fetch the basic, well, then you're done on Storm. It's interesting what, how much information, like, after you've played a lot, that you can kind of try and put on the, these patterns of what deck you're playing against. What I was going to ask was, and this is not for my benefit, I'm not trying to get into magic because <laughs> there are people at my work that definitely have tried and uh, have not succeeded. We had a long trip to Ottawa on a train, which is a long trip to Ottawa. And they were like, hey, do you want to join a magic draft on the train? And I'm like, no, no, thank you. But what I would like to ask is, what advice would you give for somebody who's hoping to get into magic? Not necessarily competitively. They just want to get into the game um, and not just, you know, be completely shut down by how competitive it is. Or I would say by... find a friend who also wants to get into magic and go together and learn together because then you can talk theory between yourselves you can like support each other you, you always have at least two you can you can like it's it's really hard when you're like trying to test a deck and you're like well i'm testing it i'm goldfishing it but like i don't know if it's actually good if you have a, a friend who's also trying to test a deck you can test against each other and whatnot and if you're both getting in at the same time you'll probably be both about the same skill level so you can help each other get better cool that's good advice. That is good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, question for the for G and Z. Yep. And I guess me, but I'm asking questions, so too bad. <laughs> G, you said uh, you previously played Magic briefly. 
Do you think you're going to get back into the game? Um, by back into, I really just mean into, into the game. Yeah, barely. I mean, I bought <laughs> something. I don't remember what it was now. Um, yeah, because I had you know a couple friends who were into it, and they're like, "Hey, you should try it." I'm like, "Ah, this looks like fun." But uh, be- <laughs> as soon as I was away from it for like even a little bit, I was like, "Ah, this is not as good." Um, so like, if I could find find, and I probably could, want to find a community that's like pretty active with it, and you know, as Kevin said, find someone to learn with. Um, you know, the art appeals to me, like a lot of the story stuff appeals to me a lot. I'd be maybe interested in reading, you know, one of the books or, or picking up one of the comics or something, perhaps even more so than the, than the game itself. But like, you know, getting into board games more now as I am, I'm more interested in, you know, you said there's one, there's a new mechanic like every time, which sounds really cool. Like it, the, the constantly evolving game thing really appeals to me. Um, I don't know, maybe not tomorrow. Just- but like, just play some Dominion. And but like, if I were you in that situation, I'd probably say yeah. How about you, Z? I, I was really digging the art and the lore as I was digging down into uh, into my research. So I think I'd more than pick up the game. I think I would uh, check out one of the books. Stealing my answer. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm not going to take either of your answers. I think... <laughs> Especially because a friend of mine gave me a copy of Duel of the Planeswalkers on Steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have any excuse not to at least <laughs> play that and give it a shot. But I, I think I'm more likely to play either, what is it, either Overwatch <laughs> or um, or something else than I am to play Magic. Is Overwatch similar? No. It's no, not Why does it keep coming up next to Magic? It's no, just, no, no. It's that's, just, that's the game I've been playing it's a lot just, lately. It's okay. just popular. It's very popular yeah, it's right now. Popular. It, is, it is the hotness. All right. Kevin. Yes. So usually what we do is we try to include two different segments, one which we're about to start. One is the fan of the week, where we try to find an interesting post from a fan, either on a forum or a news article or something. And, uh, you know, we just let it out there because it's usually interesting to hear other fan stories. Cool. Yeah, I got one here. All right. This is from a Reddit thread from the Magic subreddit, which is actually our Magic TCG. What's what's our Magic? Probably illusionists. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mean tricks? Yeah. And this this is um, from a poster called "See the Unwritten" on Reddit, and it's re- in response to to like a female player turning into magic and people being crappy to her on facebook about it and this mm. was this was this person's response i recently taught my two daughters how to play magic it's fairly disheartening listening to a local game store commentary with them in mind however the other thing i've recently taught them is self-respect and self-defense the amount of people who are going to tear you down in this world far outweigh the ones who will lift you up sometimes it takes you beating the odds to make a difference sometimes you just beat the difference into people there are bad apples in every community, but I won't lie. I'm intimidated when playing against a girl. I don't know. Honestly, I feel insecure about my nerdiness and it tends to make things awkward. I'm a fairly talkative and outgoing person, not usually socially awkward, and I have trouble with this. I'm not condoning the behaviors of others, but it might be a self-defense mechanism to act like a jerk. Also, sometimes people are just jerks. Keep at it. Keep playing. Most of us aren't that bad. My daughter has a huge stage fright and self-esteem issue. The magic has been helping. She feels much more natural and normal now that she's on a level playing ground playing this game we all love. Good luck finding a group of good friends to play with. That's it. Hey. Yeah. That was a nice little concise, uplifting little little story. Well, yeah. hmm. ideally we wouldn't be like 
scaring women people. off. Yeah. In yeah. local game stores and being sexist. I mean, I have some good news if if that's what you're interested in. In our spotlight. Oh, actually, I was, I'll get to that. I had a, a bit of trivia <laughs> that I didn't include, but it's relevant now. Um, Go for it. Apparently, as of five years ago, there was as little as 10% women in Magic the Gathering, I guess, at the larger events. I don't Because I don't know how you would track it otherwise. Yep. Um, but now, that number is up to 38%. Well, that's improved a lot. Yeah, wow. that's like mm-hmm. that's not perfect, but that's like, that's two to two to one. But that's, that's still that's pretty good. That's better than most uh, women in tech at most tech companies yet already. Uh, don't don't bring <laughs> that up. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, um, but the spotlight, which is where we try to find some interesting cause or just somebody doing something interesting, um, and kind of giving them a little bit more attention. I found actually in that same article that that mentioned the increase in women. Uh, the Lady Planeswalkers, which you can find at ladyplaneswalkers.weebly.com. Uh, it was founded in 2011 in Seattle, has about 80 chapters around the world. Um, lots in the States, less outside of the States. But um, in particular, there's one in Guelph called Avacyn's Angels. So if you're <laughs> near us, then you can go there. Its whole point is to be a welcoming place for women or anyone of any gender uh, to learn Magic the Gathering. So... If you don't want to be a jerk, you can check that out and help other people learn to play magic in a, a world full of other non-jerks. Well, it's <laughs> ideally every game store would be like that. I would, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. Well, it's just nice to be like, like, like come in here, and we know that it is like a fairly intimidating thing to get into, but like, we'll 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 get you through it. Because I mean, I don't know, it's daunting to hang up there with a with everyone who's been around around it for years and years and years and is kind of set in their ways. Yeah. Uh, we do have one more segment on the show. Oh, yep. <clears throat> uh, it is the Phanthropological Chain Pun Challenge. What? Starring our very own Nick Z. Boy, so if you want feeling to, very just, much like an Andy's ultimate Just right sit now. in the hot seat here. Oh, steaming. So how does this work? What are the rules? All right. Here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you two things that are linked, and you have 15 seconds to come up with a good pun. <laughs> wow, this is like Punderdome, but shorter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and this is to connect to one of our previous episodes. Ooh. Okay. All right. So, uh, tapping is a mechanism mm-hmm. in Magic the Gathering, where yep. you use cards. Yes. Untapped is an app that logs all the beers that you've had. Go. Um, 15. 14. I'm counting. Oh, okay, perfect. Like. Yep. You're running out of time. Think faster. Like, use the word tap. <laughs> <laughs> um, tapping a planeswalker on the shoulder? Um, I tapped my land, and then I untapped the keg. Oh, hey, man. see? Boom. Being stood up. An unexpected winner of the Phantopological <laughs> Chain Fund Challenge, Kevin. Congratulations, Kevin. I had to, I had to stop you. <laughs> I had to rescue you. You know, Thank you. I'd actually... Thank you. I don't know why this didn't... I forgot, Kevin is also a fan of puns. Oh, can you leave now, please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh. man. 
All right. Thank you for listening to our episode today, everybody. You can find us uh, on iTunes where we'd love you to subscribe or leave us a rating or review to let people let more people see uh, what we're doing over here at Franthropological. You can find us at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at The Next Cast. And you can fo- also find us at patreon.com slash The Next Cast. Yes. So if you go to that website, uh, you can find out all the work that we do. We try to post there every time there's an update, and that's all public. But if you want to get more details or if you just want to support The Next Cast, you want to find out about stuff going on behind the scenes, you can actually make a pledge. Any amount is great, but we have different tiers set up. Um, if you want to see the episode early or if you just want to be in the loop. Um, and if you're wondering where that goes to, we have goals listed, um, which could cover our hosting costs or just help us to do more awesome stuff like interviewing different guests like Kevin and like some of the other guests that we've had on our show. I believe up there right now is our summer schedule for cons and our complete list of dates and topics for season three. Is that right? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Find that at patreon.com slash the next cast. Also, you can send us uh, topic ideas for topics you'd like to see us cover on the show at nick of the And you can also join in the conversation on Twitter uh, by using the hashtag Fanthropological. That's hashtag Fanthropological. All right, Kevin, I understand you have no plugs. Nope. No tweeting for me. Except for the card game Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to <laughs> check out Magic the Gathering, apparently Overwatch. Uh, <laughs> and overwatch <laughs> oh but see we could actually do that like go to blizzard.com slash overwatch probably i don't even know if that's a real url but it probably is overwatch.com by the way blizzard if you would like to sponsor the show we'd love to have it. <laughs> <laughs> we all love overwatch whatever it is cool thanks very much kevin yeah for thanks for coming on time. yeah and that's it thank you for listening everybody and we will talk to you next week next week on phanthropological from manhattan to Winneapolis, to Philadelphia, and everywhere in between, we're going to be talking bronies. That is, adult fans of My Little Pony. Including why so many of those place names tend to be puns on American cities. All that and more in next week's episode of Phanthropological. from the next cast Phanthropological Institute we're going to tap into the passion of the planeswalkers and suck their mana fr- who wrote this oh so close that so was, close that was cringing oh my god <laughs> welcome to the podcast that, that, that was me pretending to f*** <laughs> up by the way ah uh, <laughs> oops <laughs> oops and realizing okay. that reali- and realizing that what I wrote was awful yeah alright I'll shut I up until I'm introduced charming. no no we, I can just I can just do the end of it so you can edit it Anyway, we're talking about Magic the Gathering.